Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. And I just want to start out by thanking you for spending part of your day with us. And if you're blessed during our time together today, let me invite you to come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can worship with us live on our church website at mhbclouisville.com live. Or if you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, we would love to have you come and join us in person. But with that, let's get right into this episode sermon. So last week at Melbourne Heights, we started into a new series of sermons called Overbooked. And throughout the series, we're taking a look at the problem of busyness. And this is a problem that all of us have. USA Today published a multi-year poll uh, back in 2008 that found in each consecutive year from 1987 on that responders said that they were busier than they had been the year before. And earlier this year, Pew Research released um, some results of their research that found that 60% of Americans don't believe that they have enough time in the day to get everything done on their to-do lists. And when I think about just how busy all of us are, I can't help but think of the song that we listened to at the very beginning of our worship service today. The song was released by an artist named Johnny Diaz back in 2015. And what I want to do right now is I want to share with you some of the stanzas that we find in the song. And as I share these words with you, I want you to listen for a word or a phrase inside of these lyrics that you would use to describe your life right now. So here's how the song begins. This is alarm clock screaming, bare feet hit the floor. It's off to the race as everybody out the door. I'm feeling like I'm falling behind. It's a crazy life. 90 miles an hour going fast as I can, trying to push a little harder, trying to get the upper hand. So much to do in so little time. It's a crazy life. And then it continues a little later on. Third cup of Joe just to get me through the day. Want to make the most of time, but I feel it slip away. I wonder if there's something more to this crazy life. I'm busy, 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 and it's no surprise to me that I only have time for me, me, me. There's got to be something more. To this crazy life. Now, after listening to those lyrics, what word or phrase did you hear in them that you could use to describe your life right now? Do you feel like you're in a race that you're just falling farther and farther behind in? Do you feel like you're going 90 miles an hour all the time, but you're never really making any progress? Do you need multiple cups of coffee or energy drinks just to make it through a day? Would you say that your life is busy, busy, busy? Maybe you'd even say that your life feels crazy sometimes. Truth is that for most of us, we could use just about every single line that I just read to you to describe our lives. And that's because all of our lives are overbooked. Our lives are overbooked. We try to cram more events and activities, more plans and responsibilities into our lives than can possibly fit. But while we're in the process of trying to cram more events and activities, more responsibilities and plans into our lives, we don't often slow down enough to think about the toll that all of our busyness takes on our health. 
And this is the point in the sermon where I can tell you what all of the research says about the effects that busyness has on our lives. Like I could tell you that research that was done by the American Psychological Association has found that being constantly busy leads to chronic stress. And chronic stress is linked to a whole host of health issues, including anxiety, depression, and heart disease. Or I can tell you that research has been done by Stanford University finds that busyness, especially when it includes multitasking, leads to a significant decline in our cognitive abilities. That being busy impairs our memory and our decision-making ability, and it even impairs our creativity. Or I can tell you that research has been done by BYU University has found that being chronically busy causes a deterioration in our close relationships with other people. So I could stand up here today and I could tell you that our constant and chronic busyness in our lives has a negative impact on just about every area and aspect of our lives. But you don't need me to tell you that. Because you already know that all of that is true. You know that there have been times in your life that you have been so busy that you have felt overwhelmed by stress. You know that there have been times in your life where your ever-expanding to-do list has kept you up thinking about everything that you've got to do at all hours of the night. You know that simply because you can't find enough time in your life to take a small break, that you've had moments where you've snapped at your spouse or your partner, your kids, or other people that you love the most in your life. So even though we may never think about the negative impact that all of our busyness has on our health, Every one of us is aware of the negative impact that being busy has made on our lives. And of course, that begs the question of us. If we know that being constantly busy has a negative impact on our lives, then why are we still so busy? If we know that being constantly busy has this negative impact on our lives, then why is it that we are all still so busy? Well, the Harvard Business Review explains why we're constantly busy this way when it says, we live in a knowledge-intensive economy. In such economies, individuals who possess the human capital characteristics that employees or clients value, like competence and ambition, are expected to be in high demand and in short supply on the job market. Thus, by telling others that we are busy and working all the time, we are implicitly suggesting that we are sought after, which enhances our, our perceived status in society. But I like the way that an author named Adam Waits explains why it is that we're constantly busy in his book, The Power of Human, a little bit more than the way the Harvard Business Review explains it. Because in his book, The Power of Human, Adam Waits tells a story about meeting a man who had recently immigrated to the United States who is still learning English as a second language. And this man shared with Waits that he had come to believe that the word busy in English meant the same thing as the word good in English. Because whenever he asked people how they were doing, they often responded, busy. So why is it that we are still so busy? Why is it that we are constantly busy, even when we know that all of our busyness has a negative impact on our lives? It's because we think that busy equals good. We think that busy equals good. 
And what this means is that we think that our value as human beings comes from how productive we are, how much stuff we get done. So if we aren't constantly doing something, we feel like we're not being as good or as valuable as we should be. And this way of thinking has been around for a long, long time. And if you've got a Bible close by or Bible app on your phone, I can show you what I mean. So if you've got a Bible close by, Bible app on your phone, go ahead and open it up to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5, and as you're finding it, I'll tell you just a little bit more about the book of Exodus. Now, the word Exodus literally means exit. So the book of Exodus is going to tell us the story of how the people of Israel exit the land of Egypt after they had been enslaved there for 400 years. But in Exodus chapter 5, the passage that we're going to be looking at today, we're going to get a glimpse of what life was like for the people of Israel while they were still enslaved in Egypt. So let's take a look at Exodus chapter 5 together. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, Israel's God, says. Let my people go so that they can hold a festival for me in the desert. But Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord whom I'm supposed to obey by letting Israel go? I don't know this Lord, and I certainly won't let Israel go. Then they said, The Hebrews' God has appeared to us. Let us go on a three-day journey into the desert so that we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Otherwise, the Lord will give us a deadly disease or violence. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you making the people slack off from their work? Do the hard work yourselves. Pharaoh continued, the land's people are now numerous. You want them to stop their hard work? So in the verses that we just read, we start to get a little glimpse of what life is like for the people of Israel while they are enslaved in Egypt. And in these verses, we find out that Moses and Aaron, the ones who are leading the people of Israel, they go before the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and they ask the Pharaoh to let their people take three days off from work so that they can go out into the desert, out into the wilderness to worship God. Now, as far as we know, this is the first time in 400 years that the people of Israel have asked for any significant amount of time off from their labors. So as far as we know, for 400 years, the people of Israel have been working for five or six or seven days a week making the bricks that the people of, that the people of Egypt used to build their buildings and to construct their cities. 400 years, they've been working 52 weeks out of the year, six or seven days a week, producing these bricks. So when I read this story, the request doesn't sound ridiculous to me. Three days off out of every 400 years? What employer wouldn't take those terms, right? But did you notice how the Pharaoh responded to this request? When the Pharaoh hears their request, he accuses the people of Israel of slacking off. He says, we've got so much work that needs to be done that no, they can't have any time off. And why does the Pharaoh respond this way? It's because the Pharaoh believed that a person's worth came from their work. And a lot of us believe the exact same thing. We believe that a person's worth comes from their work too. We do. We think that a person's worth comes from their work. 
So, yes, the Pharaoh didn't think that the people of Israel were worth anything if they weren't working. And the Pharaoh didn't just feel that way about the people of Israel. He also felt that way about himself, too. The Pharaoh felt like that if he, as the leader of Egypt, wasn't constantly building new buildings and, and creating new cities and expanding his empire, that he wasn't as valuable. He wasn't as good a Pharaoh as he was supposed to be. So, believing that our worth comes from our work leads the Pharaoh to want to make sure that the people of Israel are constantly doing something, that they are constantly busy, that they are constantly producing more bricks so that the Pharaoh can use them to expand his empire. And after he meets with Moses and Aaron, the Pharaoh comes up with an especially cruel way of making sure that the people of Israel continue to be as busy as possible. So let's dig back into Exodus chapter 5 again and see what it is that the Pharaoh does to keep the people of Israel busy. This time we'll pick up in verse 6 where we're told, On the very same day, Pharaoh commanded the people slave masters and supervisors. He said, don't supply the people with the straw that they need to make bricks like you did before. Rather, let them go out and gather the straw for themselves. But still, make sure that they produce the same number of bricks as they were required to make before. Don't reduce the number. They are weak, they are lazy, and that's why they cry. Let's go offer our sacrifices to God. Make the men's work so hard that it's all they can do, and they can't focus on these empty lies. So in these verses, we find out that in order for the people of Israel to stay constantly busy, the Pharaoh decides to make their job even harder than it already was. Now remember, for 400 years, the people of Israel have been the ones that have been producing all of the bricks that the Egyptians had used to build buildings and to construct cities and to expand their empire. But now the Pharaoh says, that's not enough. Not only do you need to produce these bricks, but now you need to go out and gather the materials that you need to make these bricks as well. You've got to go out and find the straw for yourselves. And in doing that, the Pharaoh makes the job of the people of Israel at least twice as hard as it was before. And essentially, by doing all of this, Pharaoh says to the people of Israel, not only am I going to refuse your silly request about being allowed to go off for three days into the wilderness to worship your God, I'm going to make sure that you don't have any downtime or any free time at all. You are going to be working from sun up to sundown seven days a week, to prove your worth to me. Now, as you can probably imagine, all of that doesn't go over real well with the people of Israel. They're not exactly happy that their work just got a whole lot harder. But instead of complaining about their boss, instead of complaining about what Pharaoh had ordered them to do, the people of Israel actually get mad at Moses for having the gall to go and ask Pharaoh for some time off to begin with. And if you look at Exodus chapter 5, verse 21, I'll show you what the people of Israel say about Moses. They say, the supervisor said to them, Let the Lord see and judge what you've done. You've made us stink in the opinion of Pharaoh and his servants. You've given them a reason to kill us. The people of Israel tell Moses that his request 
that they just get three days off to go out into the desert so that they can worship God there. It's made them stink in the sight of Pharaoh. And we all know what happens when you open up your refrigerator doors and you smell something that stinks inside of your refrigerator, right? You're going to hunt through, you're going to find exactly what it is. And at that moment, when you discover what it is that is smelling up your refrigerator, it does not matter how expensive that particular item is. You grab that thing up, you throw it away, and you take it out to your trash cans as quickly as you possibly can. Because when something stinks, it has no value. It has no worth at all. Or like the people of Israel said, because of what Moses had done, they gave Pharaoh a reason to kill them, to dispose of them, to get rid of them. And even though this happened thousands of years ago, there's still a part of us that feels the same way that the people of Israel felt in the story. There's still a part of us that believes that busy equals good. There's still a part of us that believes that our worth comes from our work. There's still a part of us that believes that if we aren't constantly busy making or producing or just doing something with our time, that we aren't as valuable, that we aren't as good as we're supposed to be. And if we aren't as valuable and as good as we're supposed to be, we become disposable. We become disposable to our employers, to our families, to our spouses, to our kids, to whatever simply because we aren't doing enough. But not long after the people of Israel are set free from their slavery in Egypt by God, God is going to do something that not only challenges this way of thinking, but should also change this way of thinking for us forever. Because not long after God frees the people of Israel from their enslavement in Egypt, God is going to give them a set of rules to live by. Now, ordinarily in church, we think of these rules as the Ten Commandments. And in one of these commandments that God gives to the people of Israel, he tells them this. He says, remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may go and work and do all your tasks. But on the seventh day, there's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it. Not you your sons, your daughters, your male or your female servants, your animals or the immigrant who is living with you. One of the commandments that God gives the people of Israel, one of the rules to live by that God gives all of us, is that we need to rest. But why is it that God when he's giving the people of Israel these rules as they are coming out of slavery, tells them, commands them that they need to rest. I think God does it because God knows that even though the people of Israel are no longer enslaved, they are still <coughs> going to try to define their value and their worth the exact same way that they did when they were slaves in Egypt. God knows that there is always going to be part of us as human beings that wants to believe that busy equals good, that our worth comes from our work. Because of that, God commands the people of Israel to rest. 
And God doesn't just command the people of Israel to rest every once in a while or when it's convenient for them or when they're able to find a few days that they can go on vacation from their jobs. No. God commands the people of Israel to rest one out of every seven days. And God does this because God wants all of us to realize that your worth doesn't come from your work. I'm going to say it again because I really want you to have this sink in for you. Your worth as a human being does not come from your work. And I have no doubt that there are people listening to me right now that need to hear this, that need to understand that you are not a better person because you're the first one in at your office every single day and you're the last one to leave. You're not a better person because you work 80 hours a week and because your company decides to give you a promotion. You're also not a better person or a better parent because you take your kids out six nights a week chauffeuring them around to different extracurricular events or activities or because you volunteer to help out at their school every time that there's a field trip or a field day. You're not a better person or a better partner because you keep your house completely spotless, or because you slave over a stove fixing dinner every single night. Your worth does not come from your work. Your worth comes from God. Period. This is some of the things that God has to say about who we are and our value. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 4, God tells us, You are precious in my eyes, you are honored, and I love you. In Jeremiah 31, verse 3, God says, I have loved you with a love that lasts forever. In John 3, 16, we're told that God loves you so much that God sent his one and only son into the world for you. And in Genesis chapter 1, after God was was creating when god made humans what did god say after he was finished making us god said that we are very good now when we started into the series last sunday i told you that part of what we wanted to do is we wanted to help you find ways that you could slow down that you could clear your calendar a little bit so that you can make time for the things that matter the most to you But you'll never do that. You'll never want to slow down. You'll never want to clear your calendar. You'll never want to really make the time for the things that matter most to you if you don't understand why it is that we are so busy to begin with. You're never going to slow down. You're never going to clear your calendar. You're never going to make time for the things that matter the most to you if you continue to believe that busy equals good and that your worth comes from your work. Because as long as you continue to believe that your worth comes from your work, you are going to continue to stay busy, doing more things, trying to produce more, trying to get more done to prove how valuable you are, to show that you're not disposable show that you're good. So if we want to be able to slow down, if we want to be able to clear our calendars, if we want to be able to really make time for the things that matter the most to us, we have to realize, you have to realize 
that being busy is never going to make you a better person. You have to realize that your value does not come from your work, but that your worth comes from God. And you don't have to prove anything to God. Because God already says that you are very good. And God already loves you more than you can begin to imagine. So stop holding on to your busyness. Stop treating it like the only way that you can prove your value as a human being is to do and accomplish more. Realize that God says you are already enough. And that God loves you and will always love you, no matter what. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know how busy all of our lives can be. You know that we are always trying to cram in more events and activities, more plans and more responsibilities, God. And deep down inside, there's a part of us that does this because we think that being busy means that we're being good. We think that our worth comes from the work that we do. But God, you tell us that's not the case. In a world that often tells us that we have to keep doing, that we have to keep producing, that we always need to be doing something, God, you tell us to slow down. You tell us to rest. Literally, you command us to take a Sabbath, one out of every seven days, completely taking a break from all the work that we do. Because, God, you want us to realize that we are so much more than the jobs that we have or the tasks that we complete. God, you want us to realize that we are your children. You want us to know how much you love us all. So God, help us to realize that our busyness doesn't prove anything. Help us slow down. Help us clear our calendars. Help us make time for the things that matter the most by realizing that we have nothing to prove because you say that we're more than enough. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast, and I hope that you've been blessed during our time together. And if that's happened, once again, I want to invite you to come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can do that by joining us on our church website at mhbclouisville.com live. Or if you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, you can also worship with us in person. And that's going to do it for this episode of our sermon podcast. But I want to invite you to come back and join us again when our next episode drops next week. But until then, I'll be praying for you. I hope that you have a great week and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.